another Winter Olympic guest who I am pumped to talk to. Uh, she is representing Australia in the five cross-country events in Beijing, and she says that she owes many of her achievements to a state of constant caffeination. Jessica Yeaton, are you uh, adequately caffeinated this morning? I am adequately caffeinated, I think. Not on coffee as good as I would like. I would love some like really good espresso, but I think I'm adequately caffeinated on some like, some deep, okay coffee. <laughs> don't do it too well out there. In, was it Davos that you sang? <laughs> yeah, I think they maybe do if we were going out to like coffee shops, but I've kind of, you know, on the low budget, like homebrew that we get here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually heard that you, you won some strange prize for making the final at the Swiss championships as well so can you fill us in on that yes yeah we actually went to swiss championships last week or last weekend and um the prize i think for like the top three people they actually give you money which that's what i was going for but didn't get quite that lucky i got sixth and ended up with a block of cheese instead which that was great um because we've sort of needed a lot of cheese and the boys on the other side actually eat quite a bit of cheese so last night they had to come over and you know, steal some of mine because we're still, it's a big block. So we're still going, eating it from last weekend. But yeah, it's been great. Lovely. (laughs) What a prize. That's very, very good. Um, But yeah, you're in, you're doing a training camp, I guess at the moment, I presume, and you're just doing races in Switzerland? Yeah, we are um, kind of, so our head coach is from Davos. um, And so we kind of home base out of here. So anytime we're not at races, like outside, world cups or like swiss champs where we went we kind of have a house here that we will stay at and so anytime between races we're kind of training in davos which is why we spent so much time here and especially this year because there's been cancellations with covid and so we have just ended up being here a lot um but it's a nice place so (laughs) how much time um uh, so i've been here since november 22nd and we I've probably only left for a total of two weeks since then for racing. So that's like going on like six weeks of like time in, in Switzerland in Davos. So <laughs> yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, and yeah. when are you heading over to Beijing? We're recording this on the 25th of Jan, just by the way, for the, all you guys listening. We are heading on the 30th on Sunday. Um, so it's really coming up soon, actually sooner than we'd think, uh, we all thought it was kind of like off in the distance, and now it's like really right around the corner. So, <laughs> yeah, right around uh, in the corner indeed. But can you tell us what events you actually are in? Because there are a fair few of them, five, like I mentioned at the start there. Um, yeah, so we actually race more than like any other, um, like a lot of other sports, really, because you can kind of qualify to do all of them. I think. That's something that's really cool about our sport is just the opportunity to keep racing through the whole games. But basically the first event is the skiathlon, which I don't know. So cross-country skiing, there's skate skiing, which is kind of like ice skating or same motion, I guess. And then classic skiing where it's a little bit more running, like running if I was to generalize it. But for the skiathlon, that's a 15K race. And the first half, you classic ski and then you go through the stadium and switch your skis and, po- your skis and poles. And then you start um, skating for seven and a half K. And then, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Keep you going. Go. No. I, I thought you were, thought you were about to throw back to me, but you go. All good. <laughs> no, no, no. There's like four other events. So there's, <laughs> there's a sprint, which is um, like much shorter, like maybe only three and a half minutes. And then um, we do uh, like a 10 kilometer classic race. And then a team sprint, which I'll do with my teammate Casey, who's here. And then the last race is the longest one, which is 30 kilometers. So that'll take like an hour and a half. And that's like a mass start. So that one's probably the most exciting to watch. But oh, Yeah. That, and how long does that 30K race take just roughly? I know it will differ between all the courses and all that, but just rough uh, a kind of approximation? I reckon like probably an hour 20 to an hour 30, maybe. It really depends on if it's really fast skiing and if and how hard the course is. And I've heard it's really hilly, a lot of big uphills. So it could be a tough one that takes a little longer than if it was like a flatter course. So it sounds like you haven't done any of these courses before. Nope, nope, haven't done any of them. Although I've heard they're similar to the last Olympics, but that's not um, super 
a little vague, <laughs> but I, I heard they tried to kind of mimic the the courses of the last Olympics, but we'll, we'll see. I'll let you know so, <laughs> when we get there. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to you letting me know, but similar to the last Olympics, <laughs> is that good, bad, average, choppy, smooth? I think, I think it's good for, good for me. Like it's the, the last Olympics, they were just notoriously hard courses. So really big uphills, um, just like a very tough course. And so that should suit me as long as like, I don't love like scary downhills. So as long as it's not like really treacherous downhills and things like that, I'm, I'm okay. But, um, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have those, um, uh, five events and you haven't done any, uh, of the courses before. Is that a usual thing at all? Or is it just kind of COVID related and yeah, a kind of symptom of all the restrictions? Um, well, I guess it's possible. Yeah. I think last year there may be supposed, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if they're ever supposed to have test races in China or if that was like supposed to happen last year. Or if because of COVID, they just haven't had races over there at all. Um, but just because no one's had the opportunity to go over there and race the courses, it's kind of hard to check them out. I think a few coaches have been over there on and off, but um, none of the athletes have really skied those courses yet. Yeah, not your coaches? Not my coaches, but like everything we've heard is kind of from other coaches and other teams that have been over there. Okay, so the other coaches and the other teams, they just happily fill you in even though they're your rivals? Yeah, they actually do usually. It's a pretty nice sport. People like to help each other out because, I mean, realistically, you're not going to give, uh, no one's probably going to do any better because you told them how the course is. Like, you still have to train and kind of practice on your own. So I don't think that's a huge piece of like advantage, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, in other sports, you'd probably just have people not wanting to offer advice pu- purely out of kind of wanting to hate the opposition as much as you can. But it's good to hear there's a nice yeah, no, friendly good. atmosphere within the cross-country community yeah we have a lot of camaraderie in the sport so (laughs) yeah that's awesome but um there's yeah you're in these five events and they're all well obviously they all differ in maybe small ways and some in larger ways but what are the things kind of in general uh like little rules and little tricks that people should look out for in terms of viewers i should say Ooh, like when they're watching it yeah, yeah. When you're tuning in, are there rules and I guess, yeah, like, tricks that you will um, use? There's not a lot of like rules, I guess. I mean, in terms of like if someone's doing something wrong or like going to get disqualified, like um, it's kind of just, I guess, like the different, the main difference is that there's two different techniques. And so there's the one that's skating and one that's classic skiing and they're basically totally different and so if the race is classic like you use specific skis for that and then they put wax on the bottom so that you can get up the hills better and then if it's skating it's more about like the glide so there's none there's no wax there's it's a different type of wax we still wax all the skis but um there's no wax to help you like um get up the hill I guess it's completely different it's kind of hard to explain actually um but it's we use different poles so the skate poles are longer and then the classic poles are shorter and then also different boots as well so it's like completely different thing and so if the race is you know a classic race it's kind of like you can have athletes that are more specialists in that technique than skating that will be doing better and vice versa so in a way it's really cool because we have you know all these different types of races where like um, maybe someone who's better at the the longer event, like the 30K, will excel. Whereas, like, you can have someone who's really good at the sprint event that's totally different um, winning that race. So it's it's I guess it's a bit like track and field in that sense, where you have a bit more variation depending on the event. And how many people are doing all five events like yourself? Ooh, so like on our team, um, Casey, the other athlete that's the other female athlete that's going, she will be doing all five. And I think two of our boys, Phil and Sevi, or yeah, Phil and Sevi will be. Um, but that's actually like pretty rare on other teams, maybe because they have bigger teams and maybe people are more specialized at either sprint or distance. So say like I have some uh, friends on the American team who are going and they maybe will only race like the one race they were selected for, like the distance race or the sprint race. Um, there's definitely all around skiers, like some of the best skiers will be doing all of the events. Um, but I wouldn't say it's super common uh, for people to be doing everything. 
Okay, that's interesting. I, I'm very uh, aware of not trying to use up all the Beijing chat or all, all the start. So we'll try to <laughs> scatter a bit throughout. Maybe yeah, talk yeah, a bit no more about it at the end. But we'll, we'll throw it back. You were talking to me. Uh, I think it was I think it was off air about how you've just been everywhere, and especially throughout <laughs> your your childhood. You you well, you were born in Perth, and you've hardly been in Australia mm-hmm. since. Is that right? Yeah. So my I'm originally from Perth. Like all of my moms, I have tons of family there. Um, my mom's side of the family is from there. My dad's American and he actually worked for an oil company. And so when I was young, like the offices shut down in Perth. And so we moved, we were moved to Texas for, I was there for five years. Then I actually lived in Dubai for six years. And then after that moved to Alaska when I was about 12. And that's where I sort of got into skiing. I actually hadn't had much winter experience before that. Like snow was a bit of a novelty really. (laughs) So that was quite exciting. And then um, that's kind of where my passion for like winter sports took off. And I have been skiing ever since I've been back to Australia quite a bit during that time, but haven't like consistently lived there. Um, so I've just been like all over, I guess. <laughs> so you've lived, like you lived in all these places early on and you're still traveling around the world heaps now due to the nature of what you do. But do you reckon that kind of early, your early life there and just moving all over the place, do you reckon that made you a bit of an adventurer, if I can put it that way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I grew up when we, especially when we lived in Dubai, we did a lot of traveling to cool countries and places like that. Um, And I feel like that's kind of been a part of me my whole life. So I do love like just exploring and, you know, getting over here and going to different countries and racing in different places. It's really, I think it's been a part of me my whole life. And so I definitely think it's like when you're used to the lifestyle, it's, yeah, you kind of carry on with it. But ski racing is definitely different because when you're here to compete, you're not off, like, especially now with COVID, like we're totally just not doing anything fun right now, (laughs) but you don't spend a lot of time like exploring tourist sites and things like that. And so it's, it's different when you're focused on racing, but we still get to see like the landscape we get to see, uh, see and the, um, the places we get to ski, it's just, it's incredible being here and having this opportunity to just see so many places. So it's kind of like ski racing is like an avenue to, to explore. And that's really cool. Yeah. It's the, the beauty of the sport, I guess. Um, yeah. but yeah. So is, is there a particular place that's stood out to you in your time ski racing or even before you really got into the ski racing at a high level? Um, like a, a particular place, Seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, just a particular Ooh. place that you're just amazed by. Oh man. Um. So, like while ski racing, my favorite, like the best place I've been is probably Slovenia, and I think it's because it's so underrated. Like, I don't think when you when you talk to people about Europe, they're not like, oh yeah, I'm planning my trip to Slovenia. I don't know. <laughs> like, and so and it's it's probably one of the most beautiful places I've been, and it's really cheap, and so. I just like love it there. I think that was it's a total hidden gem. Um, but before that, like we, I did a trip to Nepal when I was young and that was really, really cool. One of the things I value so much about my childhood is like going places like that. So um, those are two like highlights, I think. Can you tell me about Nepal as a kid? Oh yeah. As a kid, it was so awesome. Like we trekked around um, and it, you know, like it just, I think we were there for like a week and we would sort of trek between different like places we were staying. It was a big group of us. And just like the landscape was incredible. Just everything was so different. And everyone was so friendly there. I remember going to these, these uh, like little, they weren't even hotels, like places we would stay and everything, like cook you these meals. And everyone was so friendly. Like the culture is incredible there. And it was really cool as a kid getting to experience that. I think I would love to go back. It's on my so list. It, it's, it's you died and who else is part of the, the family? Yeah, my mom and my brother as well. Yeah. Your mom and your brother. Older brother, young mm-hmm. brother? Older brother. He's two years older than me, yeah. Well, what's his name? His name's Josh, and he, he used to do a lot of he, – he used to ski race back in the day, and then he sort of transitioned to – he did a lot of um, road cycling for a while, which I also did growing up kind of before I got more into ski racing. I did a lot of road cycling and racing and – Probably why I like mountain biking so much now. So, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get competitive with all that stuff with Josh when he was really into it? Um, I don't think directly, but yeah, no, I think more than anything, like being involved in the same sport as your sibling, like you get you, like we would train together um, and it kind of serves as like someone to, I guess, 
more like motivate you, but I don't think we were directly competitive in that sense. Maybe if we were like, if it was a sister or something, maybe that would have been like more competitive. Um, Cause I've heard that from other people, but I think our relationship was actually really good. Cause it was more like, you know, like motivation and a training partner to have, like we do tons of riding and skiing together growing up. Right. And he, so he was born in Perth as well, I'm guessing. He actually was born in Adelaide. My parents were living there, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. but he, I guess he spent more time in Perth than me because he's older, so he was there till he was about four or five before we moved. But Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So yeah. Where do you reckon you feel mo- most at home? Because you've lived in all these places. It's crazy. I know, it's tough. Man, that's actually, it's something that's really interesting when people ask me that. I have a really hard time, like, where are you from or where's home? Because I think home to me is, like, kind of where my loved ones are a little bit. Um so like right now, I guess I'd say Alaska is a big piece of home to me. Um, but I have been in, in school in New Mexico studying physiotherapy for the past like three years. And so that in a sense is home as well, because I've been there for the last three years. Um, but I think like when people ask me that question, I say home is like probably Australia, Perth, and then Alaska, like a combination. Cause those are like the biggest pieces of kind of who I am as, you know, it's family. And then also, I guess Alaska has defined a lot of like, since that's where I learned to ski and stuff, that's kind of like defines me as a person. And that's a big part of me, but it's a really hard question for me to answer. (laughs) (laughs) So two years in Perth, I know all your family's there, but that's like your equal top answer. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, I think part of it. So I went back there for a year in high school as well, because my parents moved back um, in like 2000, maybe 2008. So I was there for a year of high school. And then kind of growing up, like when we were living in Dubai, especially, we would go back there, like for the entire summer. So I'd spend, it was great, actually, I spent three months just on the beach, just just like hanging out with cousins, like having a good time. So I have really good memories, because like, you know, it was just like vacation, we'd spend like three months there just yeah, having a great time. So, you know, I didn't live there, but spent a lot of time there. Like a lot of my fondest memories growing up, I'd say are like in Perth. So. Oh yeah. Love that. And oh, I guess you obviously feel that pride and still passion for the country because well, you're representing Australia in Beijing, but yeah, exactly. you, you learned particular stuff or picked up on particular things or like, maybe matured a bit earlier than everyone else because you had been to all these different places when you were so young? I don't think so. No, I, <laughs> I still feel like I'm like 16. So, so I definitely would say I've matured more than anyone, <laughs> but, um, I think it gives you a lot of like experience and like, yeah, but I wouldn't say like, I don't know if it gives me like, I'm like more maturity or anything like that. Has like travel experience helped with, uh, your athletic performance, would you say? Ooh, Maybe a little bit. Um, I think you have to be really used to being able to travel um, and like being able to, or being flexible, I guess. So being able to like get on a plane and like, you know, get somewhere and get used to a new, a new hotel and be able to race um, and still perform like kind of not in your comfort zone. So I do think there's like an aspect of just being used to it. And um I guess like being able to operate under just like different circumstances and uh, yeah, just that flexibility. So maybe it's more than I realize, um, but like it helps me more than I realize. But if that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's hard to compare when you only know like how your own mind operates. You don't know how anyone else's mind operates. So that's yeah, definitely fair enough. But you were talking about how yeah, exactly. you, got, you fell in love with skiing um, in Alaska so talk to me about how you fell in love with it. Is it just a really normal thing to fall in love with skiing in Alaska? Is it something that everyone does? (laughs) It's actually really funny. So cross-country skiing is not the easiest sport. I mean, it's like to learn it, it's tough. Like when you see people starting out, it's just like, man, that doesn't look fun at all. And that is my experience initially. Like, it's funny that I say I fell in love with it because I can tell you the first time I went, I was literally thinking it was the worst thing of my entire life. I remember I used to complain. My mom would kind of drag me out because she loves exercise. And it's like an endurance sport. So if you like running or cycling and things like that, it's kind of, I think people that enjoy those activities gravitate towards it. But as like a 14 year old or whatever, a 13 year old, I was like, 
not that into like exercising for hours on end. And it was pretty tough. And I remember just complaining the whole time. And my mom would like make me go out on these skis, which was really funny. But I think somewhere along the line, like you just, you learn to figure it out a little better. um, And you just get better at it. And the more, you know, the more you are competent with something, it becomes more fun. And I think I started doing races and excelling at them. Um, just because I had fitness from other sports like cycling and running that I was doing. And I think you kind of gravitate towards your, what you're good at, I guess. And over time it grew on me, but it is pretty funny because at first I really hated it. (laughs) So maybe not like the exact answer or the story you would expect from someone who's competing at the Olympics, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good story uh, nonetheless. And you'd probably know very, very well and almost better than anyone that in Australia, well, snow's hard to come by, so it makes mm-hmm. skiing and like, winter sports in general, I guess, uh, very expensive and inaccessible and therefore like it's considered quite upper-class like, activity sport. So is it, is it similar in Alaska or is it more, um, yeah, it's just kind of done by everyone? Um, in Alaska, people do cross-country ski. It's like a lot more common. Um, it is, yeah, I guess the culture is just different because you have like that longer winter and there's snow all winter long. Obviously the winters in Australia are short and it's kind of like the people that ski that are kind of from that area. It's it's a small subset, I guess, because there's not snow everywhere. So it's different in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Are there people like skiing to get to work and skiing to get to school over there? No, definitely not. I think people think that it's like people will ask you other people on like, you know, like taking their sled dogs to school. No, people don't ski to get to work and stuff like that. I think it's just more common because there's more trails, more networks and more um, just like longer winters and probably more snow. There's just more people skiing. But honestly, the culture in Australia with skiing, like being from Perth, I didn't even really know how much skiing there was, obviously, like as there's none over there. And I've been shocked. Like there's a really big community of cross-country skiers and super good trails. Um, I've skied at Falls Creek like a couple of years in a row. And like, I was so impressed by just all the trails and all the grooming and everything and how many people are involved in the sport, like especially young juniors. So it's pretty cool to see um, as someone who grew up like only at the beach in Australia, I was pretty shocked (laughs) by the whole thing. (laughs) So yeah, I've never been to any ski places in Victoria. Are they really really that good i think they really are for cross country um can't like i think in terms of trails it's like you don't really need that much as a cross country skier because we're used to like even skiing like loops over and over again so i think it's really good like from my experience there's heaps of trails like really good grooming um it's a great place to train it's at altitude too falls creek is at altitude and like that's great for training as well it's great for fitness and yeah like i think I think it's awesome in terms of cross-country skiing. Like I've told a lot of people from the Northern Hemisphere like to go check out the skiing because I think it's a really cool experience and like great training opportunities there. So, Yeah, well, just like, like a lot of Aussies, you very seem the very sporty type and you have <laughs> probably been the very sporty type from a very young age. You've got your cycling and your athletics and all probably other things that I haven't even mentioned there, and of course the cross-country skiing. But what gave the cross-country skiing the edge over the other sports for you? Ooh, I think it has this great combination because it's upper body and lower body, and I think like it's this whole body thing that I love. Like, um, and just the fact that for so for training you can kind of do anything to stay in shape in the summer. We do a lot of roller skiing. I don't know if you've ever heard of these, like they're like little wooden skis that have wheels on them. And so you basically can cross country ski on the roads. So we do that. And then a ton of running, running with poles. And you can also use cycling as training as well. And then time in the gym. I even do like a lot of swimming as well on the side. So um, you can kind of use all these other modes to like keep your fitness high. And so like training in the off season is actually like, very fun, especially if you're into different sports. And, um, I think that's like a big draw for me is the ability to like, you know, you plan out a week of training and you have like some really fun mountain bike rides mixed in there, some longer runs, you get to roller ski. And I think just that keeps it interesting and it doesn't like, it's not monotonous to me. Like I always struggled 
training for cycling because you're always just doing K's on the bikes. And I think it's just a little more fun cross-country skiing. And I just love that whole body aspect of it. The roller skiing is something that I'd never, ever heard of, but it sounds very, very cool, very, very interesting. Um, is that a thing that's uh, just used for like training for athletes like yourself, or is it to just normal people, in quotation marks, do that? Um, you know, there. it's funny because I'll have people approach me all the time like <laughs> – Hey, where do you get those? Like, I want to try that out. And I'm like, I don't know. We don't have brakes. So you kind of have to know how to use them. Because <laughs> um, if you, like, you, you can kind of slow yourself down a little bit if you know the technique, but it's actually quite dangerous because you're on the roads. And like, say, if there's a stop sign at the bottom of a steep hill, you, you can't stop really. So you, you have to know what you're doing. So I'm always like a little bit apprehensive to be like, yeah, go out and buy a pair and try it out. Like, <laughs> but you do see people like all the time, like wanting to get involved and try it out. Um, I think like in certain countries, like I know in Norway, a ton of people roller ski, not just like professional athletes, like it's part of their culture. Uh, I wouldn't say it's super common for other, in other countries. Like it's mostly just people who are training at a high level for skiing, but. Right. Now, can I read you a little thing, Jess, please? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll read this to you. So this, you did a little pocket profile on the Olympics Australia website, olympics.com.au. Probably not got uh, quite as much good content as the pocket profile we did for the Patreon listeners, so I encourage people to check that out. But you said on that, uh, one kind of piece of advice that you give to your younger self is this. Don't feel like you need to choose one sport. It's okay to not have one focus when you are young. So why would you say that to your younger self? Yeah, basically, I think it's just really important. I think if you look at a lot of people, not just in skiing, but I know a lot of like athletes who kind of start out in one sport and they get a little burnt out on it. And so by the time they've hit like late teens or like early adulthood, they're a bit over it. And these are like some of the kids that are like growing up, like I really want to go to the Olympics and this is like my dream. And I don't feel like, like I had this sort of slower transition into skiing. And I think that it's part of the reason I'm still, like, I still love it so much and maybe didn't get burnt out on it as a kid or anything like that. I also think it's really important just from the injury perspective, like skiing is a great one since I mentioned earlier, like there's so many methods of cross training you can do, but I think it's important for kids to, you know, like get a, a lot of different activities and kind of learn different sports and figure out what they're into. So if you're pushing one thing, it's like kind of an injury risk and like maybe your kid's getting burnt out on it. So I, I just think it's really important to have a lot of variety growing up. So yes, the funding for Australia is not the greatest from by all reports for yes. winter sports <laughs> and well, lots, lots of uh, Olympic sports, both summer and winter, but cross country skiing, I'm sure fits into that category. So why, why represent Australia when you've got other options? Well, actually, like for me, I think it's actually maybe a better option, like <laughs> in terms of that stuff, like the funding as a U.S. athlete wouldn't be um, like great for me either. So it's actually better. I have way more opportunities with Australia. Um, and so I think like it's funny to say that because based off your question, but yeah, it's, I have many more opportunities to compete in races and travel with Australia than I would otherwise. Um, yeah, I think it's tough. It, sports are tough in general across the board, like unless you're at the tip top level. So, so, um, yeah, I think it's more like opportunity based. And you'd, it'd be so hard to crack into the U S team, which would be, just huge as well wouldn't it yeah it's definitely it's a little I mean it would be tough for sure um yeah I think more than anything for me it's like I love representing like my home country and I also this team is so much fun I love my teammates I've been traveling with these guys on and off like I think you're doing a interview with Phil Bellingham as well but like we've been traveling to races together for like eight years and He's, I mean, these guys are really fun to hang around with. So I wouldn't trade my team for the world. Like we, we have a great time. So I would just hang out with Australia just for that. I think we have the most fun and like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having a lot of fun with you on the podcast, got to say, and I hope I have a lot of fun with those guys. I think yes, we're going to talk to Phil. We're going to talk to 
Um, Seve, is that how you say his name? Sevi. Sevi. Yeah, Sevi, yep. And Both Casey of them are very, well. very fun individuals. <laughs> yeah, well, is, is there anything, so Casey, Sevi, and Phil, is there yeah, anything you, yeah, that you'd recommend yeah. we ask them? Oh, man. Yeah, you could ask Sevi and Phil about um, some of their dance, like they've been doing a lot of, they've been recording like a music video. Um so ask them about that for sure, because I think you're talking to them in a couple days, and that's that might be airing sometime soon. But they put in a lot of work with their you know dance moves, and also ask them. They both have previous music videos, maybe multiple on the internet. So definitely ask them a little bit about that because they have a yeah a history. I've, I've noted <laughs> that down. I'm not going to ask you anything more on it because I'm going to get them to fill us. Completely yep, It'll it's, be great. Yeah. It sounds like a very yep. good story. Uh, <laughs> it'll be a nice surprise for him to know that we know about that one. But um, yeah, so we we're talking about the funding. Obviously, it's it's very, very tricky for Australians and, well, as it would be if you're representing America as well. So how do you get by financially? Because you, are you paying for all your own travel? No, I actually have like pretty decent funding, um, like just through... Um, it's kind of like a little more, I guess, like individual based funding. Um, and so personally, like I do, I have good funding, um, like that, that's good for me. Um, I also like, that's why I'm in school so I can have a good job one day to earn. I'm studying physio right now. So that's why I will be, um, like kind of why I've chosen a professional where I know I can, you know, pay off any of the money I spend right now, I guess. But yeah. Well, and you've got already got a couple of degrees outside that that you've completed already haven't you yes yeah so i have um i did an undergraduate degree in exercise science and psychology and that was kind of all through um like in the u.s you can race the ncaa casey did this as well actually she had like a similar pathway as me but i did four years skiing in college and that's where I got my first degree. And there's like, it's, there's a separate college circuit in the U S. And so that's a really fun kind of way to ski, um, and race. And then I skied four years in Alaska with like a professional team. And I was working on the side as a barista then, hence the love of coffee, did a lot of odd jobs then. And then, um, yeah, I, um, then decided I need to go back cause I didn't really have a specific career I wanted to do with my degrees. And, I've always wanted to do physio and in the U S it's not something you can do as a first degree. You do it as a, like a postgraduate degree. And so I went back and started that like two and a half years ago in New Mexico. Cause that's the program I got into. Um, but yeah, that explains that. Yeah, that does explain that very nicely. We, mm-hmm. we keep swerving off track with the, uh, the whole funding and financial thing. I want to talk a bit, a bit more about it. So, um, the winter Olympic sports, you, you get decent amount of funding, like you were saying, but um, it, it is tricky for lots of Olympic sports. Do you think um, cross-country skiing as a whole should be getting more funding allocated to it? Yes, I think it would go a long way to have more funding for our sport. I think just when you look at other countries and the funding they have, I think it's hard to deny that that would kind of not like, I think it's a hindrance for our development and there's like more funding would help us probably get better results and be able to, you know, go to more races and have better training opportunities and things like that. I think it's tough when other sports are getting more funding to, um, kind of like compare, I guess. Um, I think it would go a really long way. And why is cross country skiing the sport that deserves to get that funding because or every other sport thinks they deserve the funding why is cross-country skiing <laughs> the one that should be oh, man. It? <laughs> oh that's I mean that's tough because I think every sport does like every sport deserves funding um and I think I guess my answer to that would be like maybe that there needs to be like a more equal system to it I don't think any sport should have anything taken away from it I just think it's tough when um like maybe one sport you know you get the results and that that automatically unlocks the funding i guess and so you end up with this system where like they're the people who are getting results also have more funding and it's tough because like maybe the funding would help us you know get better results as well but i think i would just like to see a system where it's like maybe a, a bit more equal how you know like every team is getting like similar funding would be my answer to that 
Well, I guess it's kind of like reflective of society, like that the things at the top are just going yeah. way way higher up, and the pe- like the sports and the people at the bottom are just going way further down. So, very very interesting there. Um, but twenty twenty two Olympics obviously coming up in uh, what two weeks or something like that, even less I think. But um, twenty eighteen Olympics, it's uh, you were at that, so it's your second time uh, going to the Olympics. Can you tell me about um, twenty eighteen? Was Pyeongchang? Was it? Yeah, it was an amazing time. Like seriously. So what I did is I placed low expectations on the Olympics because I didn't want to like be let down. So I, I feel like I didn't let myself get as excited beforehand and it was the most fun I've ever had. It was such a good experience. So that's kind of set this, like, I've just been really excited about this Olympics because of it. It was just such a good time getting to like meet all the other athletes and the atmosphere is so fun. Like the Olympic village is fun. And it's just this amazing community, like just meeting everyone on team Australia. And I just had like a blast. Um, I wouldn't say like some of the races weren't my best results. I had a few really good results that I was proud of at the time, but I'm definitely hoping to improve upon that this Olympics. Um, I think some of my results over the past four years have been significantly better than I was racing, um, at the last Olympics. So I, I feel like I have much higher expectations of my performance this time, which is, that's tough. Cause I, I maybe have more pressure on myself right now just because of that than I did last Olympics. Um, so, and I might be more disappointed if I can't achieve that. Um, but yeah, it was the last Olympics was an incredible experience. I think the only bummer is with COVID just hearing all of the rumors about how different it will be this time. So I'm hoping it's not, you know, too much of a letdown from that standpoint, but I have faith it was it will still be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, back back to back Olympics, it's an incredible achievement. Get, just getting to one's an incredible achievement. But what what's motivated you to get to Olympics and just reach such a high, high, high level that hardly anyone reaches? I think my motivation kind of stems like. After the last Olympics, I had a really good season the next year. We had world championships and like some of my results were like very standout for myself. And I just, I didn't, wasn't sure if I was going to keep going. I I was going to ski one more year and kind of see. And that was like massive motivation for me because I think you, you just get like sort of inspired to see what you can achieve. I think I was just like, man, like, I don't want to stop now. Like I'm obviously kind of still improving and like, for endurance athletes, we actually like, especially females, like when you hit your early thirties is more of your peak for endurance. And so I was sitting there being like, man, I, if I keep training, like maybe I'll have really great results over the next four years. Like, I don't want to throw this in right now. I think it's just, yeah, that's, it's almost like this personal thing where you just want to see like what you can achieve. It's like this, maybe my, my biggest competitor is myself in a way. Um, just to like, yeah, I guess challenge myself and, I think that's a huge motivation for me. Also, I just love training. I'm obsessed with exercise. So so I'm going to live like a pretty active lifestyle regardless. And I think I can stay in good shape doing that. So um, that's a big part of it for me is like, I actually have a genuine love for exercising and training for the sport. So it's not tough for me to get out there every day and push myself. So when you are getting out there uh, every day and you, you're doing these really long runs uh, on your skis, like 15 30 k's whatever it might be what's well well, in in a race even what's going through your head because it's such a long race and it's is it tough to kind of live inside your own head the whole time for that uh, what hour and a half yeah it's definitely can get challenging because it's like you know when you're out pushing yourself like if you ever ran really hard like it's you just want to quit because your muscles are burning and you're just like this sucks um but you know i think there's part of it that's a, um, like a mental aspect, um, just of training. So like every day we go out there and push ourselves doing like high intensity sessions, like intervals and long skis. And there's an aspect of like kind of training your head for it. So when I go out there and like by doing hard workouts or hard races, I'm like, I know I can push myself. I know I can do it. And so during races, you almost have this like mental dialogue with yourself, like, depending on the length, it's kind of funny, even in a sprint race, I'll be like, man, it's only one more minute. Like you can keep pushing yourself for a minute, but in a distance race, I'll be like, Oh, it's only half an hour more. Like you can do anything for half an hour kind of thing. Like, (laughs) so it's kind of funny. Like you just sort of twist it in your head. It's, um, you just tell yourself you can push through. 
Um, but it's definitely a large part of that. Like there's a mental training aspect of it. And one thing that is really interesting is that a lot of times the races where you're kind of, um, having a bad day, those are the hardest ones to push through. Like when you're having a really good race and you know it, it's so much easier to push through the pain and, um, have, keep going. But when you're struggling and you're off the back, it's, it's a lot more difficult. And those are the races you actually tend to remember a little bit more. So a lot of it is kind of like teaching yourself to keep pushing through that. Um, it's kind of different than you think, cause it never really hurts any less. You're just kind of going faster. So <laughs> when you're having a good day, so it's kind of funny from that sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine you would have been in a pretty good headspace at the time when you, you won the 2020 uh, American, the Burke Biner, uh, yeah. which is a pretty big event from what I've heard. Yes, that was like probably one of, it's probably the, I guess, like result in skiing, definitely like top two that I'm most proud of. Um, I think just like going into that race, I didn't really have a lot of confidence and I, I was in uni at the time and had to kind of do pull a bit of a stunt to get there. Like I, I, f I had an exam the morning before the race. And so I flew that afternoon. Um, and that's like pretty crazy. If you know how like cross country skiers normally approach racing, it's like you get there like five days early and you like, you know, you get used to the course and you, you get used to everything and like, no one would say, yeah, fly to a race, especially it's a 50 kilometer race like the day before. Um, but actually my boyfriend was kind of the one who was like, you know, you have nothing to lose. Like you need to just go do this. Um, and so he really pushed me to do it. So, and I'm like very glad I did, but I ended up getting there. I flew there and then I had to rent a car and I ended up getting there at like 10 PM the night before. Didn't ski the course, kind of knew nothing. I'd actually flown my skis with a friend earlier that week and they had them all waxed up and ready to go for me. And, um, yeah, so I showed up at the start line and was just like, well, like, let's see how this goes. And I ended up just feeling so good and, um, like winning the race. And it just meant a lot to me because I think we often, we often think that everything needs to be done in this cookie cutter fashion. And, you know, you can't achieve things if you do it differently, like arriving 11 PM the night before the race kind of thing. Like, and it just taught me that, I guess I like use that lesson a lot going forward because it, it taught me that you can really do things differently and you can still like have great days even if you think it's going to be a terrible day and so it's it kind of meant a lot to me i guess <laughs> there's a lot in there jess but I, i'd have yeah. <laughs> to follow up on the exam and the race that you won the birkebiner on the same day how, how do you do that do an exam and then a race on the same day that's just well it was that, it was enough. the exam was the the morning before and then oh. the race was the next day so oh, it's like okay. i traveled right after the exam but still still was like a yeah a bit of a hectic experience but yeah i think it's just it's just that it's like you never know like sometimes i think we think we need like the perfect night's sleep and the perfect food and the perfect environment all the time and it's just not it's not like that in real life and i think that's maybe the lesson from there. That's how you do it is <laughs> you don't treat things like they're as much of an obstacle as they are, I guess. <laughs> did you go around the exam? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Incredible. Well done to you. Well done to you, Thank you. Uh, massively. But Beijing now, I promised at the start, we talk more about it at the end. So yeah. let's, let's talk about Beijing. How did you qualify, Jess? How did you get into it? Um, so we had like a qualification period that kind of started in, early December went through December and it was basically like we have different criteria based on world cup results. And then also it's just your ranking amongst the team. And so I knew going into it, all I needed to do was be one of the top two women on the team. And that's kind of how I ended up like solidifying my spot was just being the top woman on the results list basically for the team. And then additionally there was like world cup. So I had to be within top 60% of the world cup field, which was another thing that kind of helps solidify that qualification. Uh, how big is the World Cup field? The So like the race I did, it had like what, uh, like 90 girls in it or something. So I think my result was, yeah, it would have been in that top 60% of that field kind of. So I guess top 50, I guess, would help you solidify that. Something like that, yeah. Well, very well done for getting into it. And what are you aiming for in Beijing? Are you aiming for a particular placement or just have a good time? 
I think so for the the last race, the 30K, that's kind of my my biggest focus for it. It's the 30K skate. And I, I mean, I kind of set out a big goal leading to the season, but I was like, I want to top 20 that race. So that's kind of, that's been my big goal, my big focus. And it's a little stressful because it's the last race. And I kind of wish it was first to get it over with because <laughs> I feel like it's this build up through the whole games. But um, yeah, that's like my biggest goal there. So uh, we'll see if you, I can do that. But <laughs> Last time, did you feel sore and sorry going into your last race? Because, geez, most people would be. Um, I think I was, I was tired. <laughs> I wasn't like sore, but I was very tired. And that's like something that kind of freaks me out a little bit going into it. Cause it's like, I'm doing all these races, but the last one is my emphasis. And so I, I need to be really careful about like recovering in between races, like staying well fueled. And like, I think they can serve as really good preparation, but if you do it wrong and you're skiing like too much in between and not like focusing on recovery, you could end up being really tired and that would not be ideal since that's my biggest target event, I guess. <laughs> do people who do all the races, is it easy for them to slip into, um, because they might be prioritizing that last big race, is it easy for them to slip into kind of not going a hundred percent in the first races? Um, no, I think in our sport, like, it's really tough to go into a race and like, just be like, well, I just didn't try that hard. I mean, you always end up giving it your all. I, I say like you're racing. And so it's a, you're in that headspace. I think maybe some people who would maybe like skip in a, skip another event or something like that to focus on it. But I think also it's like, we're used to racing a lot and it can serve as really good preparation. So there's kind of two ways you can look at it. Like that events before can help prepare you or they can, you know, you can just skip them to focus on it. And I think for me personally, I think racing helps me get faster. So, um, I think it's like really good preparation, but I wouldn't say people would, um, not give it their all in the, in the events before. I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, it's the Olympics after all. So <laughs> yeah, you, you'd want to be given your all, wouldn't you? But We've got a last question that we asked to all our guests before we get into the the last segment, which is a very famous segment. Like it's the envy of the podcast world, I've got to say. But the last question is this: Jess, do you have a life philosophy, any quote or mantra or anything like that that you kind of live your life by? I wouldn't say I like have one that I live my life by, but my favorite quote is I don't know if you know the artist Brandy Carlisle. Um, no, I, I can't she's say a who. singer. She's awesome. Check check her out, guys. But she has a song called "The Eye," and the quote from it is, "You can dance in a hurricane, um, but only only if you're standing in the eye." And I think of that like if I'm ever feeling like very stressed, which I feel stressed a lot, and I feel like there's a lot going on. It's like you can still kind of thrive in that stressful environment, you know, but only if you're like in the thick thick of it. And I think that is like this message that I'm like I think of and I tell myself. I wouldn't say I live my life by it, but it kind of gives me like. Um, it's something I try to think of to get through. <laughs> That's good. I like that a lot. And I'm just going to go out yeah. on a bit of a whim here. Is um, is Brandy Carlisle country artist? Um, she kind of is. It's like like folk country, but she's gotten a lot more famous recently. Um, like with like she's been featured in a lot of other stuff with like more famous artists and stuff. So there's there's a bit of a mix out there now. But yes, originally right. I'd say. I'll check her out for sure straight after we finish yeah. this. But she's awesome. We, before yeah. we do finish this, that very famous final segment that I was talking about, it's called the Where Do We Begin Quiz. And I'm going to hit the music. Now, we did a quiz uh, just the other day with Nick Timmings, and usually we have Lockie go up against the guests and have some kind of weird and wacky questions. It's very good fun, but obviously we've got to do it very differently without Lockie today, as we had to do with Mm -hmm. Nick the other day. So what we've been doing is I've been putting eight questions to our Winter Olympian guests, and you see how many of the eight uh, kind of Winter Olympic related questions you can get correct, and then we'll put you on the leaderboard up against all the other Winter Olympians that we've chatted to here on Where Do We Begin. Awesome. Does that sound good, Jess? Are you ready to get into it? Yep. 
I, I think I am. I'm not sure. We'll see. That's okay. a little scary, but. <laughs> well, this, this is the second, you're the second person to do this, uh, just a 1v1 quiz with me okay. without Lockie. And if you can beat two out of eight, you are top of the rankings. So three or more. Oh, wow. Okay. Top. Let's see how you go. First question is this. Oh, actually, I've got some special question music that will hit as well. Not including Beijing 2022, how many Winter Olympics have there been? Oh, my God. Um, uh, 20? <laughs> 20 is incorrect. <laughs> I, I think this one is known as the 24th Winter Olympiad. So there's, there's been 23 oh, so okay. far. 23 Winter right. Olympics. I think that took uh, 1940 and then 1944 off, obviously, for the World War II. But um, basically every year um, um, since I think 24, I'll say. I haven't actually got that note on me, but I'll say that. But anyway, we're not off to the greatest start. We'll move to question two, see if we can get off the mark here. Jess, here we go. Question two. All right. Which continents, Jess, have had athletes participate in cross-country skiing? Which continents? Uh, so like every continent that has cross-country skiing? Or is so that what... Which continents have had athletes go to the Winter Olympics for cross-country skiing? Oh... I guess I'd say it's have to be all of them except for Antarctica, maybe. Well, yeah, you've got an absolutely spot on there. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, South America. Okay. There you go. All six of them. Very good. Other than uh, Antarctica. Well done. Uh, good stuff. Nice. You're off the mark. Uh, one point. Uh, move to question three. Let's see if you can go back to back here. Jess, question three is this. Which was the last Winter Olympic Games in which Australia didn't win a medal? Hmm. That is very tough. I'll just guess on this one. Maybe, like, would it be... I'm trying to think of even the year. 90... Maybe 96? No, it would be before that. Let's go 18... 1888, would that be? I don't even know if that's a game. This... I mean, sorry, 1988? I was going to say 1888 is a long time ago. We Not 18. I, I was trying to go 10 before that. I go 1988 maybe? 1988. You said 96 yeah. and then you moved to 88. I'll yeah. tell you, you've got it incorrect because it's bang in the middle. No. It's 1992 in Albertville. <laughs> 1992. Okay. Yes. Oh. This is so tough. <laughs> oh, close but no cigar. Yeah, you can probably see why Nick only got, <laughs> only got two. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> you're halfway there. You're halfway to two. If you can get two okay. more, you've beaten him. And you've Just one more. Okay, yeah, the, two more. Where do we right. begin quiz? Winter Olympic rankings. Question four is this. Let's see if you can get this one. So Australia has had cross-country athletes at every Winter Olympics except five of the Winter Olympics since Oslo 1952. So we've had cross-country skiers at every Winter Olympics except five since Oslo 1952. If you can name three of the five Winter Olympic Games since 1952 where we haven't had any cross-country skiers, I'll give you the point. Uh, this is... There's no... Okay, let's see. Maybe... So since when was it? 1952. Maybe 56? 56 um, is correct. Okay. Maybe um, we'll go the next one, so... 60? 1960? 1960. You've bombed out. No! That's incorrect. <laughs> 64, 72, 76, okay. 02. <laughs> oh. So hard. <laughs> it is a bit tricky. I was, uh, it's been tricky making these quizzes because I don't know how well the Winter yeah. Olympics know the Winter Olympics. Some of them might be absolutely It's awesome. really hard. This yeah. is... Super hard, yeah. I might have overestimated. I, I would love to see how Phil and Sevy do. Oh, yes. We'll see. Get a good I'm not going to give them any tips, that's for sure. <laughs> that's very, uh, very, very um, good of you not to, um, well, I guess, would that be cheating? Would that be against the where do we begin quiz rules? I'm not totally sure. I don't sure. know, yeah. Yeah. We're halfway through. We'll get to question five. Here we go. Which country has hosted the Winter Olympics the most times and how many times have they hosted the Winter Olympics? Which country? Which country? 
hosted the Olympi- Winter Olympics more than anyone else. Oh, Canada maybe? Canada. He's incorrect. Oh, gosh, what is it? <laughs> Just south. The United States of America have hosted the Winter Olympics. Oh, I nearly times. said that and then I was like, no, Canada. Oh, Lake Placid oh. twice, uh, Squaw <laughs> Valley and then Salt Lake City in 02, of course. Uh, so, okay. yeah, that's, right. that's four times. No one else has hosted it four times. You're, still, you're stuck on one point. You're marooned on one point, Jess. Let's see if we can get double your score with question six here. And this, uh, this one you might know. It's cross-country skiing related again. Let's hit the music again. I'm sure you've heard of uh, Marit Bjorgen, uh, the famous cross-country skier, legendary mm-hmm. cross-country skier. She has won eight Olympic gold medals in cross-country skiing, and she was on the podium at every Olympics she went to. So mm-hmm. can you tell me which Olympics she did go to? Oh, okay. So she went to, I guess, the last... You said it was... would have been the last... Okay, so it would be Pyeongchang... Sochi. That's correct. Vancouver. Vancouver is also correct. And and probably uh, Italy. So was the one before that? Turin? Turin's correct. Maybe. Um, Are there did any she more? also go to Salt Lake? No. Did you? You tell me. I'm going to say... Mm, 16 years is a lot. I'm just going to go with those four. Oh, jeez. Am I wrong? You're wrong. Unfortunately, she did go to Salt Lake City in 2002. No! You were so close. so hard. You were so close. (laughs) That's such a long time. She's so impressive. That's like 20 years. Uh, That's hurt me. Have you met her before? Close enough. I've never met her, but I did. I have race dancer, I guess, because quite a bit, but she's kind of phased out. But yeah, I think she retired after the last Olympics. But yeah, I think she did, and I think she's won the most Winter Olympic medals of anyone ever, which is absolutely I think so. ridiculous. Yeah, um, I think that's eight, correct. Eight gold yep. medals, I think 15, 15 total medals. It's oh, insanity from Marit Bjorgen. Yeah. Question seven: You need to get the last two right to go outright top okay. of the standings. Let's see if we can we'll get on with these last two. Here we go. Yeah. So, Bing Duen Duen, meaning Ice Child in English, is Beijing 2022's official mascot. What is Bing Duen Duen, a stylized kind of cartoon, I guess, version of? Uh, what even is? I'm trying to think of what the... It's like a panda, right? Or... Is panda your Does answer? that even count? Is it... I guess it's a panda, right? Well, no, because panda was Pi- Chang, so I'm... I guess, yeah, it is, but... Well, it is a panda. Uh, I'm, I'm not it gonna is? You talk it, so it's a panda out, twice. It's, it's a panda. Yeah. Wasn't it a panda in Pyeongchang as well? Okay. I thought it was. That's why I was, like, catching myself, because I saw the mascot this morning, because I was filling out my health questionnaire. So I'm like, yep, yeah, panda. But then I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a panda last time. So I'm <laughs> second-guessing myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Well, that's good. We'll have to get our listeners to look into whether it was a panda in South Korea. I don't think they have pandas in South Korea, so... Who knows? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it's definitely a panda in Beijing 2022, Bing Dwen Dwen. Um, Question eight. So you've equaled Nick Timmings, uh, the skeleton athlete. So you equal top, but let's see if you can go outright top by getting question eight correct. Yes, here we go. Go for it, yeah. In which games did a female cross-country skier first finish the 10-kilometre race in under 25 minutes? Oh, maybe it's Salt Lake. Is Salt Lake your answer to go outright top of the quiz leaderboard? Well, now you're making me think that it shouldn't be because you asked me. <laughs> yes, I'm keeping it. <laughs> you're keeping it. Okay. Let's amp up the tension here. There's lots at stake. You're top of the leaderboard if you've got this correct. Let's hit a drum roll. You've gone very close, very many times. You're not so close this time. It's incorrect because it's been no. 2010. Uh, 
Charlotte oh, no. from Sweden did it. Did in she? Wow. Twenty four fifty eight point four, uh, which is still an Olympic record apparently. So so uh, it's only been done once. Wow. Sub twenty five minutes. Wow. And it was in twenty ten. Yeah. Interesting. You, you could do it this time. Sub twenty five is that? Too- um. Well. Oh, that's, that's tough. The thing is that really depends on the conditions. So like if it's fast, a lot of people could do it. You never know, but it just, yeah, no, probably not. Not going to lie. Yeah, (laughs) it is phenomenal. I I wouldn't expect it of you because it's just an incredible record, sub 25 minutes, 10K cross-country skiing. It's been an incredible chat though, uh, Jess. I I really, really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure our listeners do Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Um, thanks, Jess, for coming on again. We'll see you all next time very shortly for a Winter Olympics episode, another one, because we're smashing them out at the moment. We'll see you next time, guys. Cheers for listening. <laughs>